Hello, I'm Toby Haydock, but that's probably not how you pronounce it. Here's part two of my interview with Arthur Darville. And Toby Haynes directed them. Is it true that he he plays music while you're? Yeah, seeing? he does. He plays like, uh, yeah, lots of lots of stuff from Steven Spielberg films. Uh, in in that one anyway. And it was. Uh, I really love. I really love Toby. I think he's a, a real, a real genius. And, and he won't mind me saying this. At times, I didn't understand what the hell he wanted from from us. Um, but I think for for the better, and we all really learned a lot working together. Uh, I think he learned a lot about directing, and I think we learned a lot about being directed and and acting. And I think those episodes are just. Are just brilliant, and yeah, he blasts music out, and it, it works. It makes you feel like you're because we were on those amazing sets and stuff. You, you know, you know when you, sometimes you get that feeling. I don't know, you've got your iPod in and you're walking down the street. I get it a lot in New York, but you just go, oh, I feel like I'm in a film of my own life. At the yeah, moment. Uh, he he kind of gave us that that feeling by by playing music. I think it really annoyed some people. I think some of the crew were like, oh, God's sake, I'm trying to touch up. But for, for us, it was, I think it was great. Yeah, no, I listen to Eminem on my iPod, and I think these chicks don't know the name of my band. <laughs> I cut quite a dash. Um, OK, well, without naming names, therefore, because you've said what, what good directors do that do, and I'm not after scandal, but I'm just after uh, um, uh, um, examples of, because it's obviously a very tough, call to direct a Doctor Who, uh, not only the demands, but the time and the very unique um, atmosphere and, and vibe that it has. If yeah. directors came in and didn't get it right, what were the sort of mistakes that they made, would you say? Um, I think... I think all the directors were... I, I don't know, we had such... The three of us had such a, a thing going where... I think must which must have been quite intimidating for a director. It must be intimidating for any director going onto a show, a recurring show, because you've got people who really know what they're doing, or at least think they know what they're doing. And I think kind of the more it went on, we were very and given we were given a, we were given a lot of creative freedom with, with what we with what we did. But I think and I don't know if it's an arrogance or it just comes with having done it for for a long time, but. Occasionally, we'd be asked to do things that just felt very much out of character, and sometimes we'd do them, but generally we'd fight it. Uh, and sometimes it'd happen, and I'd watch it and go, "Oh, actually, that's really interesting." Works. Other times, I think generally it never really got on screen if if we weren't that happy with it. Um, I think it's re- it's a really tough schedule. And 
you end up with directors taking ages over things and then things get cut by the end of the day where you're just like, well, we haven't got time to film it, so we're not going to do it. I think to be, I think the worst thing a director can do actually is to be really polite. It's much better when they're just horrible. Well, not horrible, but like just come in and really know what they want and get it done and do it and we all work together. But if they're going, oh, so what do you think if, if we if we did this? Oh, sorry, the day's over. You know, yeah. time's, time's gone. So um, I think it just, yeah, it was better when they were, when they were a bit aggressive. Well, no, no, because you as the leading triumvirate are all relatively young actors. So yeah. how does that dynamic work, therefore, if you as the, you know, you are the regulars, you are the stars, but actually in terms of age... You, you know, does it feel quite strange for, for Matt Smith as the leading man to be sort of saying, well, no, we don't think we should be doing that, you know? <laughs> uh, no, it doesn't. I think because, especially not with Matt, because you watch him perform and you're just like, actually, you really do know what you're doing. Like, you know, I, 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 and it's good to have, I think it's good to have those discussions. I think the worst thing you can be as an actor is really polite as well, because you're like, if you just do what people say, tell you to do, then probably just going to be really boring I think you have to have that I mean no maybe it was just complete horrible arrogance <laughs> I was just thinking we were kings of the world but no it was um, I think I think especially you know I can't sort for, for me but kind of with 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 Matt especially kind of watching him because he's so good at what he does I think I think you have to listen to listen to him you know it's good when you I think that's a good part of the job because everyone's fighting to to make it the best it can be, you know. And when you worked with him on swimming for sh- swimming with sharks, yeah. Um, when David Tennant was leaving, did you think, oh, hang on, Matt be good as Doctor Who? No, I really didn't at all. I was like, no, I didn't. I didn't think. And then I saw it on the news. I saw his name pop up on like a list of who could possibly do it. And because, like, you know, he was doing really well, but not many people really knew really knew who he was and it just made me go oh that's very clever they're, 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 Matt's going to be a doctor like because because he was the only one that we didn't really know yeah uh, and I just thought that's really clever I remember being at my I was at my granddad's house watching the news and saw that he he was uh, he got the job and I texted him and just said oh I can't wait to have a pencil case with your face on it <laughs> <laughs> which I have <laughs> Several. <laughs> um, well, uh, next up chronologically, as we b- bat off these, is the um, the pirate ship in the Curse of the Black Spot, which looks like yeah. it was very cold. Yeah, that was great. That was a, that was another one, which was like, oh, I'm on a pirate ship. I feel like I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a boy again. It was really good fun. It was really cold and really wet, and but amazing people like all the all those pirates as well were just brilliant fun Hugh Bonneville's hilarious and he had this big beard that he just kept laughing behind um, but you couldn't see him laughing because he had a, he had a big beard so that was and then we, we just spent most of the time laughing it was perfectly like, and there's a guy called Michael Beck I've worked with Michael a few, I've worked with Michael he's hilarious he's really really good and a guy called Lee Ross who um is a really, really dear friend of mine. I've worked with loads, and it was great. It was really great to work with him. It was like, that was just really fun. His character vanished, though. I guess he was somebody that, whose demise ended up on the cutting room floor, because one minute he's stopping you going through a door, the next minute he's not yeah. there anymore. I know. I, I don't know what happened. 
Um, but what struck me about because I've worked with Michael, I think he's got about two lines in it in the end. And, and yeah. Lee's Lee's no certainly. I mean, Lee's done so many different things. That, that seems to me with Doctor Who, you get some damn good actors doing very very little. Yeah, absolutely, is, absolutely. Is that because everyone That's... nobody can say no to Doctor Who? I think no one can say no, and with them as well. I think it was very much like great. We get to be on a on a pirate ship and to, to do it. And Michael, like. Yeah, I think that was part of it. I think, you know, Lee was just... I, I did a play with Lee a few years before, and I, he's one of my... Him and his wife, Jo, are really, are really close to them. And I think he just did it because he, he, it was really good fun. And Michael, especially because his kids are, are, are such fans, and he's such a fan of it, that... And he didn't tell... He didn't tell like most of his family that he was in it. He waited for them to watch it and then to go, "Oh God, that's that's Dad on Doctor Who," which I love. I think that's, I think that's just brilliant. Yeah, I've, uh, I've, I've, he I've, was just a gent, and he was like, "I don't, I don't care. No, I haven't got any lines. I don't care. I just love it. I just love it." <laughs> so uh, it was great. It was really, really. It was a really positive energy to have. Actually, I've got a little bit in an adventure in space and time, and I haven't told anybody. Really? Yeah, you know the Mark Gatiss thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so um, no, no, none of my friends know at all. Oh, so, that's great. So uh, hopefully my oh, my brilliant. phone will beep when when I <laughs> pop up very briefly. Um, and and uh, following on from that is probably w- w- regarded as one of the most successful episodes you did, even though, again, a bit like Amos Choice, it's very atypical of Doctor Who, in that it was Neil Gaiman's first, and it's yeah. set on this very strange place with these very strange sort of Mervyn Peake-type characters and and Michael Sheen's voice which I guess you didn't know was going to be Michael Uh, Sheen till it was done afterwards Uh, a peculiar episode but it's one that really works I think it's great I love Neil's stuff I'm still I'm a big fan of his of everything that he he does and I felt I feel really lucky to have 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 worked with him and uh, we're still in touch he came to see my play in New York the other week and gave me a copy of his new book and I, it's one of those people that I'm such a fan of and I can't quite believe I don't really I don't really kind of fan out about many people like actors I, I kind of because I suppose I work with them a lot but someone like him I'm just I'm still just like so how do you come up with your ideas I just start asking him boring questions because it's, it's awful but yeah he's he's great and you know uh, and even at the time filming you know you never know if it's going to if any of these episodes can work, really, and that, with that one, there were some bits where we were like, "I don't really understand," and you start kind of going, "Oh, I don't really understand if this is going to work or whatever," and then go, "Actually, I just got to do my job and, and hope for the best." And I thought it was great; it was really, really good. Well, I have to say, for somebody that doesn't drive, a, a story that's essentially about a man who's in love with his car that makes you yes. cry is very Doctor <laughs> Who, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. <laughs> And isn't this... it, was really emotional. it was really emotional. Yeah. And like, yeah, I just really clever. And like, so, because you want to see in the TARDIS as much as possible. You want to see this, like, in a way, because you're told about all these rooms and whatever, but to actually see it as a person, I think, was just a really genius, a really genius idea. Now, it's, you meant, it's interesting you mentioned emotion, because there is a section of Doctor Who fandom, I guess, who feels that there is too much emotion. 
yeah. Doctor Who and too much crying and too much being in love and it should just be about aliens invading and being defeated by explosions by an amusing man. So yeah. do, do, you, do you understand the rejection of emotion and do, do you think that they have a point? I think... I, I, I completely understand it. I think there has to be, you know, there has to be a balance. And, you know, when I was a kid, people started kissing on the screen. I got really embarrassed. Uh, especially if, like, my dad was in the same room, you know, I'd be watching you be like, oh, God, I don't want to watch this with my dad. Oh, no. So, I I understand that. But I think you can only care about aliens invading places and, and people kind of being involved in wars or whatever if you get that, if you get the how it's affecting people and the, the heart of it and all of that. So I think... I think it's necessary, and you know, if you just want action, that's kind of what video games are for, I suppose. But uh, I think you need that emotion to to carry the action, to balance it, to balance it out. It's like in really serious, but like with all with all the really emotional stuff. If there is really emotional stuff, you need really funny stuff to to balance it out as well, light stuff to balance it out. Otherwise, you don't. Otherwise, it gets it gets really boring. So I think it's just about a balance. And it's why Doctor Who appeals to such a wide group of people. And it's kind of like, it's a mirror, I think it's a miracle of British television because it, it kind of shouldn't appeal to as many people as it does. But it really does because it amazingly manages to have that balance and very successfully have that balance. I think, I think Stephen's very clever. Um, but I think Stephen Moffat's a really very, very, very shrewd, clever man and, and deals with that balance very well. One that I have to say probably hasn't gone down especially well, uh, or as well as the rest, is that, and I don't quite know why. You may be able to say why, or you may it might have been one that you've really enjoyed making. Was the doppelganger one uh, in the very cold location with Raquel Cassidy and Mark Bonner and yeah, and then there's brilliant makeup that the aliens have, and it's quite an offbeat setting, and you've got the sort of creepiness, and you've got the great. Um, you know which Sarah Smart are you with, and all of that sort of thing. But it's it's one that that um, sort of came and went without much love, I would say. Yeah, I don't know why. I think it's because it's very dark. It's dark for two episodes. I think maybe it was a mistake having it as a double episode thing. It was hell to film. Like it was so cold, and like you know, I can, I can really complain about things, but that that was really it was. It was it was horrible at times to film. That's my last. But we also had a lot of fun. It was a really good bunch of people. So it just felt like too many people, too many characters, and too many. I don't know because like Julia's a really good director as well, and I don't understand why it wasn't. I would like it's not awful. I think it's you know. And well, look, let's move on to a good man goes to war because um, that was great fun. Um, yes. And a sort of mid-season cliffhanger where we realise that your baby is Alex Kingston, which can surely only happen in Doctor Who. Absolutely. I mean, like, as, as like a mind-blowing... We kind of guessed it, I suppose, but just as a mind-blowing way to, to, to find stuff out. You just like... like so, many, so many times I got a script, it was like, oh, wow, this is great, great. And, like, with that one, we weren't even allowed to see the script. Stephen took took me, Karen and Matt, like down a corridor and tried to find it on his computer. Uh, it was very unglamorous, but then showed us the last, the real last page of it. it was, you know, oh, it, was, it was just great. And it was, you know, it was nice to, nice to dress up again. 
I love, you know, really enjoy a bit of, bit of playing dress up with the, with the old Roman. Well, you also stuff. get to be very cool with a ship full of Cybermen. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that bit. Isn't that your I, coolest moment ever? Do you know what? I can't watch it because <laughs> I just think I look like an idiot. <laughs> and I, uh, it keeps getting played on, like, I, I don't know, when we went to Comic Con last year and whatever we do, like, Q&As or whatever, they always, always play that clip and I just think I look like an idiot. Um, obviously, you know, it's obviously very, you know, people like that moment or, or whatever, but yeah, I just can't watch it. I have trouble watching myself anyways. I watch myself being very, very serious and aggressive. I just think, I don't know, I think it's just so close to my big nose. I just can't uh, deal with it. But uh, yeah, it was great doing all the hero, like all that heroic stuff and I think it, I think it really worked. And, and like, I, I think I've said this before on my interview. It, what I loved about it was because there were so many different people and people from like different episodes and stuff. It felt like what I used to do when I was a kid was to get all of my action figures from every, like from He-Man, Ghostbusters, Turtle, from everything and just have them all, get all the goodies on one side of my room and all the baddies on the other side of my room and have like a three-day battle with them. And that's kind of how the how the episode felt to me. And then you get this big revelation at the end. So it was it was something about which Doctor Who does really well of kind of tapping into my childhood, and tapping into all of our kind of what we what made us excited as as kids. Um, yeah, so really, it's really good. Well, I think we've done Let's Kill Hitler because you mentioned being on the Hitler set. So we yeah. can jump to Night Terrors uh, Tower Block. Beautiful art direction in that one with the Tower Block becoming a sort of pastel yeah. character and um and a, and a sort of more confined story with overgrown doll's house and uh, richard clark directing who'd done yeah. doctor's wife uh, one yeah. of the, one of the few directors to come back from the uh, the tenant era yeah he was really good as well really good he really knew what he was really knew what he wanted and like stylistically i think it's it was good to have those that episode especially that just looks so different from from the others Really, it was really classy, I think. And Danny Mays as well, just brilliant, really, really good actor. I think that was the first one we shot of that series, so it was very much like we kind of just come back and, 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 and went, went into it, we were all just kind of catching up, I think. Um, but it was, it was quite fun to film, like, like to, to film on a council estate and to be in, I like the ones that are in reality in, in kind of modern day, I think. I think they, I think they work. I think it was a really, really great idea of, you know, of having, you know, of, of, of having a kid with, you know, who's 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 scared. That's basically it. But I remember Mark Mark Gates wrote that. Yeah. And we, because it was before we'd started filming, so we were in Cardiff, so we all went around to Stephen Moffat's house to do the read through, and a lot of the actors couldn't make it, so Mark read all of the other parts and did a different voice for each one and it was brilliant and I was just I was in awe of, of him he was great it was really it was a really fun day he's also a read through where we could drink beer as well which was, you drank beer at the read through well because it was just at Stephen's house so we were just like having a barbecue and read the episode it was great oh nice uh, well, the next two episodes were ones that is odd, sort of towards the end of the season. You think, oh, there'll just be a couple of fillers. And I actually think that because Nick Curran directed them, they were both absolutely terrific. Girl Who Waited, which was a tour de force from Karen, 
Um, yeah. I mean, that's a great performance from her with her makeup and uh, yeah, she delivers there, doesn't she? I think that that's definitely one of my favourite episodes as well. And, you know, if people do say, oh, it should be emotional, I think that proves, that episode proves it, it can do it really well. You can do it really well. And I think with one of those ones, there was lots of t- TV trickery in that one as well. Like, it, I don't think it was like a big budget one. I think the prosthetics were great and everything. There was just lots of white rooms and things. But I think because of that, it looked really... It looks really stylish. I think Karen was just amazing, amazing in that. I think she's really grown as an as an actress, and you know that part could very much have become, you know, attractive girl runs around and gets saved occasionally. But I think she really made it brilliant and uh, and had a real emotional heart and feisty and. Uh, Energetic, and I think she was really. I think she really grew as an actor um, through it, and I'm so glad that they gave her the opportunity to do something so hard. Uh, and she really pulled it off. Um, yeah. And then the next episode is the one where sort of that arc comes to a head because you actually leave. It seems um, surprisingly at the end of the God Complex, where you feel your journey's come to an end. Yeah. Yeah. God, that was really odd as well because also. There are some episodes that we have, that me and Karen have, where we, we kind of just stand there and watch everyone else. Uh, and, you know, having David Williams on the set was amazing. But there was a lot of a lot of that one where we were just kind of standing around going, Doctor, Doctor, uh, and then we leave. So it felt, re- it felt kind of slightly odd. As, but it really worked because of that, because, because we're kind of trying to step back and, get out of there um, but yeah David Williams rolling around on hotel beds with that ridiculous mole like um, prosthetic on is, is something that is burned into my mind uh, and will be forever and Nick Curran I mean his work on the screen his visuals are fantastic sometimes a director who's very visual uh, may neglect the actors or was, was he was he equal no, 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 he's, he's proper old school uh, one of those very gifted old school TV directors who just does it like when you get to the hundredth slate, he brings out champagne and everyone toasts. Like it's really properly like it feels like you're filming in the seventies, whatever. But he's, he really knows what he's doing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he really, he's just really good. He's really good. And also really good is uh, Wedding of River Song, in which you get to be very heroic again. I know. It's great. Karen shooting uh, a machine gun was. She's so like willowy and frail that, as, as you know, you, can, you feel like you can just snap her. So, and it was really, I just found it hilarious. I found it absolutely hilarious that they'd even consider giving her something that could make that much noise because she screams at everything. Uh, so that was that was really really amusing. Um, but yeah, again, it felt it felt like we were we were filming a big movie, um, and I loved working. So those guys are so so tall, <laughs> really, really tall and creepy. Um, we can't not mention yeah. Frances Barber in an eye patch either. No, she's amazing. She's amazing, and like prop, like full of theatre stories as well. Just kind of sits there and you go, so Peter Rhodes, uh, and uh, you know she uh, she can just talk for hours about it. She's great. She's really good fun. 
Well, look, I'm going to wind down because I've taken up okay. nearly an hour of your time. So I'll do the three. I've got the three more to do because I can jump a couple because I've done Saul. And then I've got just five quick questions so that we can get a measure of your personality. And then, oh. the, ch- and then the charity and then we're done. Is that OK? Absolutely. Br- brilliant. And bless you. And thank you. So oh, yeah. as- as- Asylum of the Daleks. Yeah. Uh, ah, you've no, got the old fun. Daleks came back. They sort of usurped the new Daleks. I don't know if you have yeah. a comment on that. Yeah, I think that you know there needed to be a decent, a really good Dalek episode, and I was pleased that I was in, I was in one with it, I, in, in one with them. I, it was great fun. Stephen Moffat was like a child uh, because he'd kind of keep sneaking us into the room where they were all being kept, and we'd kind of go and look at them, and he just got so overexcited. You see exactly why he's writing Doctor Who. Um, it was, uh, it was really great. That was so much fun to film, and I really like. As much as I love working with everyone else, I really enjoyed that scene of walking through that room of dead Daleks with with everyone. That felt like a really you know nothing, hardly anything said in it, but just it it was it was a really fun, great day of work. I really enjoyed myself. Yeah, when you pick up the, the when it says eggs and you think yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I broke one of them by accident, and like because they got them from like museums or people's private collections, and I think. I can't remember who it is. Either like one that belonged to John Barrowman or someone, and I decided to push it against a wall, and I did, and its head came off and smashed on the floor, and I was just devastated. So, but then it looked pretty cool, and, they, and that's a moment that I wish they'd have got in because they filmed it and it looked great, and I thought it was really funny. Um, and they they decided not to not to put that in. Presumably, because <laughs> when they yeah, returned it broken to its owner, they because that yeah. happened in transit. It didn't happen on set. <laughs> uh, Power of three cubes. Gemma Redgrave, Douglas McKinnon yeah. directing. Uh, oh, and Mark Williams as your dad. Mark's great. He's uh, he's just so funny. Yeah, I, you know we've all watched him do. Like I used to watch the Far Show a lot, and I had to stop myself from getting him to telling me what he's been eating um it was he was really good to really good good fun to work with and Gerard Redgrave has the best laugh I've ever heard in my life it's unlike any other laugh ever but she's she's a lot of fun as well it, it was really odd for us because we were so used to filming in like massive locations or going to Spain suddenly we were like stuck in a house and we'd all forgotten how to work in a house it was like really frustrating and, uh, can kind of run around and uh, and let off steam and stuff because you were just stuck in a house. But it was, uh, yeah, it was great fun. It was great fun to do. And then came your last one. When you read the script, did you think, yeah, I'll take that as an exit? Yeah, yeah, I really did. I really did. And uh, because New York had been, because we, we'd all come here uh, together to do promotion stuff, really loved it and had an amazing time here. Kind of, we felt like America, the American audience had really started to watch Doctor Who a lot more, and it had become much more popular over here. Uh, it was somewhere really close to us, and so just feel, just having be able to film here and and have it set and have it set, it was just great. And it was it was mad filming here because we were running around. It was like we were making a guerrilla film, you know, which we were shooting stuff out of car windows and. Uh, but it was great from the, the day where we filmed in Central Park. And suddenly, all the all these fans turned up, and we had about three security guards, 
and suddenly the whole of the whole of Central Park descended on us. But they were all. What's amazing about fans of this show is that they were all so polite. And as soon as they, you know, they stood where they could stand, there was no barriers or anything. And as soon as like the camera started rolling, they were silent. They were absolutely silent. It was brilliant. They were really. It was really. Really, uh, it was really great to see kind of a group of people being really respectful. It's a pretty brutal ending, in a sense. You, the the story has it both ways because it gives you a very sharp and brutal and swift and out of nowhere ending, but you also get the big emotional ending, which is the bit where you jump off the building. So it yeah. sort of has its cake and eats. It delivers on both. I thought quite cleverly. Yeah. I think it's really clever. I think, you know, we really wanted to make that scene up. On the roof as good as possible and that's one of me and Karen rehearsed that for, for, for kind of once once or twice a day for a few weeks we, we, we tried to <clears throat> but I I like how swift and brutal it, it was as well as having that because I think what I didn't like about uh, David's exit was that it just took ages yeah I think, and I think you know by the end of it he's just like oh, just leave just leave I mean, I think it's better if it goes, if it happens really quickly, because that's kind of how it's kind of how life happens. Yeah. Um, yeah, I liked I liked how British it was. And oh, and I've just I've missed. I'll I'll do the quick five questions. But what was it like being on the Starship Enterprise that wasn't really in the Christmas Carol? <laughs> I mean, we were in for like a day. It felt like everyone else had lots of work to do, and we could just swan in and do you know a day of jumping around on. On, on a, a cardboard spaceship, it was great. It was again how I imagined filming Doctor Who would be, which was just lots of holding on to things and, uh, and falling over. It was great. Yeah. Right. Well, here's the because normally you see these become career interviews, but because you've been, you, I've, you've been in so many, because normally I just interview somebody who's been involved yeah. with four episodes and ask them about all sorts of other stuff. So actually, well, if you look back on your career in fifty years time, where would where where would, where would you be happy that it's ended up? Music, acting, com. com combination of both uh, always a combination of both um, uh, I'd like to do more films um, I think if I've done I mean I'm desperate to be in Star Wars that's but that's I think every actor of mine if I've, if I've had a small part in Star Wars then I think I'll be really happy uh, but just I, I like working um, you know I work a lot because I like it If I've been in a Muppet movie, I'll be happy. <laughs> right. Well, this is where we find out about you with my five trivial questions. What did you have for what do you have for breakfast? Uh, this morning I had a bowl of Cheerios with a banana. Isn't that boring? But normally, I, I, normally I have eggs every morning, most mornings. Uh, and what is your desert island disc? It would have to be Ruby Turner singing "I'd Rather Go Blind" um, because. I used to hear it a lot as a child. It all reminds me of my family. Um, and what's the thing that other people do that gives you the most annoyance? Oh, God, I find a thing here, which is that, you know when people wolf whistle really loud? I don't know, well, maybe I've got sensitive ears. And, like, American audiences, you know, they're lovely, but they're very overly enthusiastic and kind of whoop and holler a lot. But the, the whistling... Of anyone, people do it in the street to help cabs and whatever. It just shoots through my brain, and I, I, I want to. The girl who's I'm co-starring, 
this play with. She does it like we went to see some fireworks just to stop it driving me insane. So whistling really loud. And tonight you can have supper with anyone, just one person, living or dead. Who will it be? John Peel. Ah, oh, very good. And this one, uh, this one's slightly more serious. Who should win the next UK election? Oh, God, none of them. Just none of them. Someone, they should, they should just change the entire system. It makes me so, so unhappy. Well, let's... Well, let's try and make you happy by doing some good by uh, because you've kindly given a lot of your time uh, today for nothing and the listeners haven't paid, so I think we must urge them to donate to a charity. And who is your charity? Uh, my charity is the Acorns Children's Hospice in Birmingham. Uh, to end the interview, Doctor Who is 50 this year. What is your message to the Doctor Who fans from whose clutches you've only just escaped? I know. Um, thank you for all of your love and constant support uh, throughout my life. Uh, keep being utterly mental. <laughs> I've met a lot of Doctor Who fans, and most of you, I think, are clinically insane. So uh, just s- stick with it. Well, from the clinically insane representative from Equity, um, I, it just remains for me to say, Arthur Darville, thank you very much for a lot of your time today. Thank you very much. Sir. Oh, thank you for that. Sorry, I'm. My thanks to Arthur and to Hannah Dolan, a mutual friend of ours who set up that interview for us, and to the Frog and Bucket Comedy Club uh, who housed me so that I could get a good Skype connection. And Arthur's charity is the Acorn Children's Hospice, which is www.acorns.org.uk. www.acorns.org.uk. UK. The next Who's Round is with somebody that's had a couple of modest encounters with the Doctor, but his sci-fi credentials don't end there. Oh, certainly not. I meet with a legend in the next instalment of Toby Haydock's Who's Round. Ta-ta. It's Mervyn Pinfield. I can remember when we were rehearsing in the rehearsal hall that now, if I, this is correct, but he would walk around with a, like a cardboard camera on wheels so he could get his shots and look through. It was bizarre, but it worked. It was perfect. But it, you'd, you'd giggle a bit and um, trying to keep yourself a straight face, but he would pull this thing and push this cardboard camera so it was a prop, so he could go up and just take the thing and get his shot he knew what it was going to be in the screen but it used to make me laugh for the first few times (laughs) what are you laughing at nothing i'm just saying my shoes are sort of pinching me i thanks sorry because he wanted to know why i was laughing and why the rest of them the fourth doctor adventures doctor who Zygon Hunt. Oh, what's the matter? Why have we stopped? I just saw it up ahead. Gigantic. This is the planet Garros, by the way. I looked it up before we landed. You have been here before? No, but I've been meaning to visit for a long time. What are you doing on this planet? Just pop by for a look. I've always heard it was rather a lovely spot. Open fire on those beasts! Cut them down!
fast. Follow me. Seems like there's more hunting to be done tonight. But this time our quarry will be those damn prisoners. They must be found and shot on sight. No one must know of the plan. You must die. Big finish. We love stories.